Welcome, everyone, to yet another edition of Drunk Agile. Um, the star of the show, Nisha, she's kind of disappeared there. Where did she go? Oh, there she is. There she is. So there, there's Nisha, uh, the Yogi Berra of Agile. Big thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I was, I was going to say the woman who needs no introduction, but you know what? If you don't know who Johanna is, you're stupid, and I don't want you watching <laughs> just this. Just log off right now. Yeah, it's no. just... No, no, they're all <laughs> not know me. No, 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 no. No, no. Yeah. No, I, no yeah, you're you're not stupid. So um Johanna Rothman is, is is the 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 one and only, the incomparable, the the everything, what you know, whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Pratik gives you a run for money on that one. Yeah, um right. so uh so glad to have you here. Um thank you. And we want to talk about anything that you want to talk about. So how would you like to start us so, off? So I really want to talk about cycle time and what it buys the team and what it buys the managers and how managers can use cycle time for their work. And if you want to start there, that might be a really good place to start. No, I love that. I love, I love the cycle time for managers piece. That is awesome. Well, yeah, so I guess I, the, the immediate question I have when you ask that, and we, we can take this anywhere we want to, but the immediate question I have is, so do you think um, introducing cycle time, do you think that should be a bottom-up? Do you think that should be a top-down? I mean, so like, should, should it be the team members who are introducing this, or to be management kind of imposing their will on cycle time? I mean, or... No, no, not, not, not imposing their will for cycle time on any team at all. I have never seen that work. Hmm. I have seen a gentle... Um, request, oh, you know, our velocity is kind of up and down. People want to know when will it be done. You should all read Dan's book. Um, and Pratik needs to write a book. Uh, I'll talk to you about that separately. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so they have velocity and story points. And it's not really meeting their, the team's needs. But imposing something on someone. Uh, well, okay. So let's. Let so let's talk about that that cycle time for managers. I mean, what, what, and why, and how, and all of that. So, yeah. So let's start with what managers deliver to teams and to the organization. They deliver decisions, and if you think about decisions and the cycle time of a decision, then cycle time for managers starts to make a lot more sense. So let me take the classic project portfolio um, decision-making. In September, all the teams start to, they get, they get the requirements for an entire year, which is, we all know that's fiction, total fiction, but they get the requirements, they start to size them. And they might, if, they're, if we're lucky, they use cycle time and lead time. <laughs> My experience, they're still trying to point stories. And so then they have to change from what is a point to some kind of a date. And when they, they, everybody's constantly asking, when can we expect to see this feature set? When can we expect to see this project? So do we have four projects for this team in, in the next year or what? So the managers ask for all this information. The team stop working on what they're doing, <laughs> contributing to aging, one of my favorite episodes, gentlemen. And then, and then, the teams give that information back to the managers. So the managers have one, maybe one or two hour meeting in September. 
They get information. They don't have another meeting until October. They have another hour or two meeting. They, they often ask for more information because they don't like the answers they got. So they have another one or two hour meeting in November. And then the last week of December or whenever they start to go on vacation, they say, oh, we really need a decision. And then they make a decision in January. <laughs> well, because now it's the new year and they, re they really need this decision. So the managers have spent eight, 10, may maybe 12 hours of, of work time over months of wait time. I am not good enough to do that arithmetic in public. <laughs> I, I only do symbolic logic. I do not do arithmetic. So, and, but you can imagine this is, I mean, how many hours in a week? I don't even know this. Um, uh, are we talking work? Uh, we're talking about, yeah, what is, what is, I don't know, what is seven, seven times? times 24. Know, do math. Everybody knows I don't do math either. 28, 168. Okay. So even if, even if we just called it 150, right? Because I'm, I'm all about smoothing out the edges because <laughs> most of my clients don't need a lot of accurate precision. precision. Right? They need, mm -hmm. Yeah, they need a lot more accuracy. So I say 150 hours a week times 14 weeks. That's your wait time, maybe more. And you did eight to 12 hours of work in that, mm -hmm. in that time. So when managers start to think about their, their decision-making time, the cycle time of a decision, it totally changes the equation, right? They stop trying to blame the teams for not getting stuff done fast enough when the teams are already behind the eight ball because they, the teams didn't get the decision in time to do it faster. So yeah. Pratik, you, you come in on this. Where, where do we take this? Do we bring in some empiricism? Do we talk about decision-making theory? Do we keep going along? What, what, well, were, you, what were you gonna say? Well, first, first thing I was gonna say was the, 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 the brilliance of, of, of Joanna, what you just said is redefining decisions as value items. Um, essentially, if you think of a team's Kanban board, the manager's Kanban board now has those decisions as value items flowing through it. And everything else that we talk about with metrics, with flow, applies to those value items. I mean, literally within, within I think it was three or four minutes, you redefined decisions as value items and, and applied all the flow theory to it. So if, 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 uh, if any of you want to go back and watch any of our episodes, anytime we're talking about work items, replace that with decisions and everything applies. Okay, so we're, we're done here then? Let's <laughs> rewatch that last five minutes over and over and, and, and we're good, good. Pretty much. Yeah. But, but then again, the same uh, idea of your, your touch time on the decision was eight to 10 hours. Meanwhile, <laughs> it took you four months to make that decision. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I, this is completely different, I think, but similar as in it's decision related, but not flow related. I remember reading something I was going through, I was going through the pragmatic manager uh, uh, bits and pieces on your website. And I remember something about the rule of three, which was yeah. something to speed up those decisions. Did, can, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the rule of three is if you only have one solution to a problem, it's a trap. 
you have two solutions, it's a dilemma. Which one do I choose? Write 50-50, but it's never that simple. When you have three options, you have you can you now have a real choice and you often have breakthrough thinking to the fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, um, seventh option. And you generate those really fast. And that allows you to make the best possible option for now and possibly think in bets as Amy Reed does um, or, or say, um, if we choose this option and we only choose it for the next week or two and experiment on it, then we can make another choice later. It frees us from the sunk cost fallacy. It frees us from, from the weight of the decisions holding us back. That's, and that's, that's, that's the bit that I wanted to explore a little bit more was I think so much of the delay, so much of the weight in decision-making is people afraid of being wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what, most, what most people don't understand, which I, I struggle with too, is, um, and somebody's gonna have to find the reference. I know Don Reinertsen talks about it all the time. I don't know the exact reference, but um, you actually get the most information if you're wrong 50% of the time. So what you're saying, Johanna, makes, you know, make, makes a ton of sense. You know, make, make a decision as quickly as possible, get that information. I think that's why my managers are, they're, they're asking questions because they're, they're, they're trying to cheat their way to information, right? And you really can't cheat your way to information. You either, you know, you either make a decision and find out or you don't make a decision and you don't find out anything. So, so make a decision, get that information. If, you know, if you're right, great. If you're wrong, Try something else, right? And it's okay. It's that's it's that's it's it's actually okay. Not only is it okay, in many cases, it's actually a really good thing, uh, you know, if, if you're wrong. Um, yeah. That that I think that's, Joanna. You mentioned earlier that the whole quest for precision. I think that comes from that fear of being wrong, fear of making the wrong decision, and that is what extends the cycle time of that decision because we are really going after that precision instead of, as what you said, generate a few options, pick one, let's see how that works for now. And we'll see where we end up later on. <laughs> well, if we do this for products, right? I, I really think that um, the best agile teams I've ever met do this regardless of what framework or approach they're using, right? They, they pick something, they get feedback from the customers on it. And if we think about decisions and us as feature teams being the customers of management. Now we actually, we can hesitate to say experiment on the people. That's kind of a bad thing, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's really experiment with the people. With the people, yeah. Rather <laughs> than on the people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I hate, I hate to make critiques sound good, but Johanna, I don't know if you've seen his Everybody Lies talks, but this is, this kind of dovetails into that is because you know, so much of product management, I think, is built around this fallacy that we can know or that, that people are going to be truthful in terms of, you know, how they are going to use a product, what, what features they find valuable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's only until, you know, number one, they're actually using it and probably even better, they're actually paying for it. Uh, do we know what their, what their true behavior is going to be? So in your example, waiting 10 months to even make a decision about executing on something um, is, is incomprehensibly wasteful. Right. right. And it's, um, I think it's Troy McGinnis actually says that the, the wait time for almost anything in the organization outweighs the work time 
by multiple factors. And that's been my experience also. Yeah. And when, I, when I've been working with, with my management clients, I say to them, you know, until you actually measure your cycle time for your deliverables and not the projects that the teams are supposed to deliver, right? Your personal deliverables. Um, you, you might not really know what, what, what effect you're having in the organization. That, that, that kind of opens the door for for us to give a, a, a little dig at flow efficiency um, this is this is because you know you know how I, I, I love to make fun of flow efficiency every chance I get but what you said there um, is exactly probably the biggest reason why I'm not a fan of flow efficiency is because 99% of the time you can just guess you can just guess that wait time is dominant in your organization and you will be right right so why do we need to know that it's you know, 15.7 versus 24.1 versus whatever percent. We, we don't really need to know, as you, to your point, that, that precision. Um, but at the very least, it would, it would be nice to start measuring cycle time so we can, we, we, you know, so we can actually see what's, what's going on. That brings up a whole empiricism talk that I don't know if we want to get into, but. Uh, but then. So um, when I, go ahead and critique. Oh, so let me, let me just say one thing. I never measure flow efficiency at my clients. But I talk about flow efficiency thinking. So we have cross-functional teams who work together, right? This, this um, hands together, which is collaboration, not cooperation, which is, oh, Dan asked me to do something. I'll get to it tomorrow, right? That's, which, that's the standard response I give Dan all the time. <laughs> Ask him. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a feature that Pratik's been working on for me for what, 12 months now? Anyway, we'll come back to that one. Yeah, so I, I like to think of flow efficiency thinking, but not measure. Yep, absolutely. I, I interrupted you. No, uh, actually, you made the point that I was gonna, I was gonna prompt you with later on anyway. Which is another thing I read as I was reading through your blog was about about uh, cohorts of managers working together. Now, once you get to that point of thinking of um, of decisions as value items and thinking about cycle time on those decisions and thinking about the fact that we're waiting more often than actually executing, that's when you can actually start behaving as a management team that looks at that board and goes, who can help me with this decision? How can we move forward? And you could, you could have an actual uh, collaborative as opposed to cooperative team uh, of managers. So I, I always think it's kind of funny, right? We talk about the senior leadership team. And we talk about product or feature teams. And what happened to all those people in the middle? I like to say that they're not shock liver, right? <laughs> they have real value. If we believe management has real value in the organization, and I, I certainly do, um, I believe that great management has real value, right? Not micromanagement. But if we, if we believe that managers have deliverables that other people find valuable, then why, why would people not work as cohorts? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the reward system, but yeah. That's a, that's a whole other, other episode right there. Um, oh, yeah. But, but by the way, I was, I, was just, I was just kind of reading your notes on, on wait time. I can't believe I, I missed this before. This, this, this is a brilliant quote. Um, talking about kind of that flow efficiency calculation, uh, you say if if your significant digits are in the thousands, you're in trouble. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Absolutely, you know. Once you get past that second zero, 
after the decimal point. <laughs> just stop. Just just stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. So let's let, let's. Um, well, because uh, I, I want to try and hit as many many of these. Johanna was kind enough to send us some some notes before. Yeah, I know, we we were just mentioning before this that this is the most prepared we have ever been for a drunk agile episode. Well, yeah, which is why we're kind of all over the place because we don't know where to go. There's so much here. So um, some of the things that, that you you point out that that I would love to hear from you because Pratik and I, I feel like we say this stuff till we're blue in the face and nobody really listens to us. So uh, you know when when we talk about uh, you know just cycle time in general. Um, can, can you help us out with this idea of people getting hung up on, uh, you know, com complexity is so different and we need, we need to know complexity and we need to have everything the same size and blah, 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 blah. That, that's, that's the only way that cycle time can be a predictive measurement for us. Can you help us out there at all, Johanna, please? You can try. And then you guys can, can chime in. So when I see the teams, as, and when I work with teams, right, the people actually doing product development work, that's when I... I I often say, well, they, they, say, they start off with, we normally have a velocity of 21, right? Just call it 21 points for iteration. Except the last four iterations, we didn't get to 21. And we, we are not sure what to do. Do we take those unfinished stories and finish them in the next iteration? Do we start new work, even though we have unfinished stuff? Do we not really finish it? And, and shortchange the testing. And I say, hold it, right? Let's just stop right there and find out what is going on. Why, excuse me, why are you not able to finish your 21 points or whatever it is, right? And that I say, let's do a value stream map for the most recent three stories. Because I often find that three, the rule of three again, Three is a good number. I often discover enough information. And what we often see is that there are some delays in the team, but the team can kind of overcome it. That's story number one. Story number two, somebody, Fred, went on vacation. Fred is the only one who knows this. So now we have an expert and it, we all know that work collects behind the experts. Experts cause delays. Um, even if you don't, know anything about the, the lean measures that we've been talking about. Everybody has seen this. So I can say, Fred is a bottleneck. Fred is also a good guy, right? Nothing against Fred, but at some point, Fred is gonna wanna take more than two days off. So we need to arrange for, for what to do. And then I find that story number three is an outlier that we required other people to work on this. So the best, the best story about this was I worked with, um, it was a company that grew by acquisition and the UI people had been acquired. I, fine, let's just, we will, we will make this more human as I, as I describe it, had been, literally been acquired from another company. And so, um, and this is back when everybody said, oh, you cannot do distributed agile. Um, so they were, of course, in another city, but and because there were only 14 UI people and 28 teams, cross-functional teams, every time somebody needed a UI person, they had to wait in the queue for UI people. So different manager, different um, different location, and 
And not only were the UI people separate, the UAT, user acceptance test people were separate. So, so these cross-functional teams had boards with um, ready and progress and done, but done did not mean done. Done meant hand off. Mm-hmm. And, and it came back around when the UI people were done. And then when, the, when they finally got all figured out, then it went to UAT where it had to sit for three days because everything sat for three days. And then UAT bounced it back. So they had no predictability at all. And it happened that story three um, was supposed to be something like, you know, two or three days of work ended up being 12 weeks with all the delays. And so everyone said, so this is an outlier. What did we do? I said, well, first of all, you know, your boards aren't really working for you. You gotta get more people. You gotta have your own um, user acceptance test person. You have to have your own UI person. Well, we have to share them. I said, okay, fine. Then if you, if you need to share people, don't do those stories. Right, don't start something you cannot finish. I mean, and they all said, oh, but we really need to. The product needs us. I said, so let's talk to the product people and say, you know, who, do you really need all of this? And they would say, uh, we, we actually brought them into the workshop because I'm so shy and retiring. <laughs> and and, and um, I said, so tell me about this feature set, right? Um, do you really need all of it? Well, it would make the whole thing look really good. And I said, but do you need all of it now? And they would say, gulp, right? Not really. And that, that was the first step towards changing how they thought about their backlogs. So the, um, the irregular velocity was a symptom and they could not have figured this out without the value stream map and showing what cycled back and how long things really took. And there were, there were other visualizations I made. And then to really bring the product people in and start, start to talk about, um, I'm going to talk about aging in a minute, right? If you have to have an entire feature set, then you define at the very beginning and you don't get to all of it, all of it until six months later. Does that really have any value? I mean, I've been, I've been using the term, how little can you do? And that's been really working mm-hmm. for my clients. Yeah, the, 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 the two biggest myths in product development, as far as I'm concerned, that, that until people unlearn these, although we've been taught our whole lives that they are true, but they're myths. Until, until people unlearn them, we really can't make any progress. The, the first thing is, the sooner, the, the sooner you start something, the sooner you'll get it done. That's just, that's just simply not true. And then secondly, the more things you work on, the more things you'll get done. Again, just, just simply, sim- simply not, not true, um, you know, at, at all. So um, how do, well, okay, so how do we bring this all around? I know, Pratik, did you want to say something about I that? I had one thing, I had one thing that just- Because uh, you, can, you can see, John, I'm, I'm trying as hard as possible just not to let him talk. I, I know. <laughs> but I had just one thing that, 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 that really, that, that story and one thing that really stuck with me, which I want to go and do this with my teams right now is uh, if your last, if the last column on your board does not get the thing to the customer, it's not done. It's handoff. Just don't, don't call that column done. Call it handoff. I, I, I really like that because 
every team has a done, but if at the end of it, the customer isn't getting it and using it, it's not done. It's just yeah. hand on. But then we need we need to bring the pratik role in there because even even if it's in the hand of those customers, yeah. it's not done. We need to validate, you know, what the customer is actually doing with it. That's mm-hmm. you know, until we've done that actually validation. It. Yeah, that's you know that we I I call that the pratik column on on my boards is that that validation step. Um, okay, so I know Johanna, you were talking about how does what you're talking about then, you know, how do how do things like aging and right sizing and all that stuff? You said you wanted to talk about some oh, of those things. Yeah. Thank you. So, so what I find that when teams start to measure their cycle time, there's a virtuous metric, right? So the more you measure your cycle time and you look for delays, the more you realize where you have delays. So you start to address them, maybe in a little Kaizen, maybe in a little retrospective, but you start to say, oh, yeah, we're not really excited about all of this. Maybe we can work differently. Maybe we need different columns on the board. Let's do a little experiment. So, and that that actually helps you, at least in my experience, it does with right sizing, right? That if you if you realize something is sluggish through your board, maybe it's too big. Now you can address it right now with a couple of people working on it, maybe the, even the entire team. But um, then you say. What made that thing so big? What, what was it moving like mud as opposed to moving like a stream? Yeah, but whatever, right? But that, and that, so it's a more um, story-based approach, I guess, where we tell each other stories about our work as opposed to a metrics-based approach. But for me, looking at the cycle time, doing a value stream out, looking at all the, uh, every time it comes back, back, to a, um, a state, that really is a trigger for me for what we need to do next. Pratik, I'll let you chime in first this time if you want to, or do you want? No, I, I totally wasn't expecting that, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could go, I got lots to say, but you know, I just, I want, uh, I want actually people to think that I'm a nice guy. I'm just trying to, we've got, I know, we've I know got they, they won't believe it. We've got years to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> But and, and absolutely, and we've, we've uh, whenever Dan and I work with, with with folks, we've seen the same thing. It's like once you start measuring cycle time, once you see this thing took forty days, we only worked on it for two days, but it took forty days. That's when people start talking about why did it get stuck for so long, or usually things get done in ten days. I had to. I, I was just writing code on this for nine days. It still has to go through UAT and all that other stuff. Obviously, something is different about this item. So that I think you've hit upon this a couple of times. Um, the retrospective or kaizen on particular stories or particular items, and learning from those. Um, many a time we go into retrospectives, and teams are just talking about generalities, and this is what's happening, and this is what we should work on. As long uh, as soon as you start bringing on concrete examples and pulling pulling the truth out of those. I think it becomes a lot more actionable too. Yeah, that, the, the point that I hope people um, focus on, though, the point that I want to amplify, I think that, that you just made, Johanna, is this, this right-sizing thing, it's not, it's not a you know, one and done type, type thing. It's, 
it's it's continuous, right? It's it, it's it's done just in time. I'll I'll come back to the just in time. But most people think that you know you have an epic or your story, and you re you've refined it and you've sized it, and then it, it comes into your workflow, and then that's it. It is what it is, right? I think so many people think that, when that's not the case. It's like when we see that it is taking too long to get through the workflow, that's the best information that we have. That hey, maybe this thing is too big. Let's break it up. I don't, I don't care what we said in sprint planning. I don't care what we said in our refinement meeting. I don't care about any of that. Um, we know what's going on right now. If we have an opportunity to, uh, uh, to, to, to break it up, then, then let, let's do it. Um, by the way, a great, a, a great quote, just totally off topic, but I'm thinking about it, so I'm going to say it. So I was, I was, I was ta talking to my, my good friend, uh, Dave West, uh, CEO of Scrum.org, and we were talking about just in time. And he goes, well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not just in time, but it's maybe it's just, just not quite as late. <laughs> Which I thought was a brilliant, just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant quote. But that, but it's 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 true. Um, so yeah, so yeah, think 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 of think of this right sizing as just just a, a con continuous a continuous effort, um, because that's that's what's going to drive the predictability, the actionable piece. I think, Pratik, that you were talking about right right at the end there. Well, and, and if I may, I really like to look at that during a standup. If we have to have standups, this is exactly the kind of thing, not what did you do and what did you do, which I hope nobody is using for standups anymore. But where is this thing on our board and how long has it been in that state? And has it bounced back and forth between states? Because that's when the team can decide, oh, we might need to do a little a little Kaizen or a little retro, or maybe we just get three or four people to swarm on it or mob on it, get it done, and then figure out what do we want to do next so we don't have this again. So for me, the stand-up is exactly the right time to see that. <laughs> That's the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just, just try to drop the mic there. Yeah, um, I do like that you started that with. If you have to have a stand up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at the items on the board instead of just sitting around talking about what you did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we need to because I, I I keep thinking this in the back of my mind. We need to have you and Mark back on the uh, on the show so we can talk about oh, yeah. distributed agile a little bit more because you know when you know when you're rolling your eyes about how people always said oh you can't do distributed agile then what 2020 comes along and says hold my beer right I mean it's yeah it's just uh, the the idea that you can't do distributed agile is just uh, you know I, I, again again that's silly. Um, so I, again, I'm, I'm kind of working my way through through your notes. Let's can, how, how do we how do we put this all together? So I mean, you know, you, you you've spouted all this wisdom, Johanna. So, I, what what are your thoughts in terms of where do you start? Okay, I mean, if if, if cycle time is such a good thing and, and understanding how long it takes us, you know, not only to deliver value but to make decisions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think? What do you think about where to start? What do you? How do we put this? No. I really like it when managers start with themselves, right? They, that sets the tone for the entire organization. And if you are willing to be vulnerable, you actually post your cycle time for, for your decisions on a public wall in a public place. And boy, the first time I did that, I, I didn't know what cycle time was called then, um, but I had to make decisions as a program manager. And I, would, I really had a horrible time getting people who were supposed to be working with me. So I actually had a, 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 um, 
a whiteboard outside of my door. And I said, uh, and I had decision one, days since I asked for this information. And when the person came by and it was six days, they gave me that information and they never went over a day again because it was public, right? So, and I kind of felt horrible because I was actually talking about my inability to do my job. However, if you are willing, if you are willing to be vulnerable, that will allow the people that you lead and serve to also do something like that. So I, I always recommend that managers start with themselves. And then um, for teams, I really like it when teams say, how do we understand where, where we have bottlenecks and delays? Um, is it, is it um, a done column or a handoff column? And do we need do we need more interim columns without worrying what it looks like? Um, I, you know, Mark and I tell a story in, I think, I think it's in the distributed agile teams book that um, one of the one of the clients I worked with said um, when they went from a, a typical scrum board to an interim board, they said, kind of looks like waterfall. And I said, that's reflective of your process. It's okay. Right? You cannot fix, fix this if you need to without seeing what it is now. You got to be grounded in reality. So look for the bottlenecks, look for the delays, ask yourselves, do we want to keep these? Do we want to change them? I mean, it's really, I think it's a question, not a demand. And then um, a lot of, a lot of the, my clients really say, we want innovation. We want to be an innovative company. We need to do a transformation to something. Um, and I say, got to experiment faster, which means faster decisions. So you can actually get the results of that experiment. So you can assess it and then decide what to do next. Are you, are you still quiet, Dan? So you're giving me the first chance here again? I am. I <laughs> I am. Look, look, look at me. Look how, look how good I am. Look how, look how nice I am. <laughs> so, and and uh, I, I really love the idea of having decisions as value items. I know I said that right at the beginning when you heard, but it's stuck with me at this point and, and I cannot wait to try that out. I don't know where I can try that out, but I cannot wait to try that out. That, that, is, that is pretty cool. Tell you what, how about I make a <laughs> list of all the decisions I've asked for you to make, Pratik, over the past year. Why don't we start with that? And I'll, I'll come up with that list and I'll, I'll I've made the decisions, I just haven't built the product. And maybe we'll have, <laughs> <laughs> you've made the decision not to do it. <laughs> you know? And maybe we'll have a nice visual for the next for the next Drunk Agile of all the decisions that Pratik was supposed to make and he hasn't made. Um, what, uh, anything else? I mean, the, the floor is yours, Johanna. I mean, what, what is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to talk about that you would like to? Um, recognizing that you will have an opportunity to come back as many times as you want. But I mean, for now, for now, <laughs> is there, so, what else would you like? Yeah, to I would, I would really like, um, I think one, one more thing about average cycle time. You guys talked about the flaw of averages, but oh my God, I had such a good time reading that book. Thank you. And a lot, I mean, one of the problems there's, a bunch of problems with velocity, but I won't go into that here. But teams want an average. 
and we are accustomed to average things, which means we're not really getting outstanding things. That's a different philosophical question. Um, might be the same. Might, might be. Maybe, <laughs> but I think it's really important to talk about um, what why it's fine to have variation in your cycle time, and what you might learn from that. And so I. I write books, right? You guys know I write a lot of books. And I have and I have, I do not have any average cycle time for my book writing. I always write, I always I write every day. I have a typical number of words that I I I write every day, but it's not always the same. It really depends on where I am in the various activities. So when I'm doing my first pass of writing down. I can, I um, often at a pace of about a thousand words an hour. Very comfortable for me. When I'm editing, as I am right now in a book. Ah, 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 yeah, three three yeah. words an hour, maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I'm rearranging, I'm clarifying. I'm, I'm not, I'm making it easier for the customer, the end customer to use. But I don't have a typical um, cycle time for this part. These are different activities. And so when, when managers want to talk about an average cycle time or an average velocity, uh -oh, a little part of me just goes, uh -oh. right. So do you want to expound any more on average and why it's a really bad idea for many things? We have a flaw of averages video maybe that we should, don't, yeah. don't we? Don't we, we did, I, you do, yeah. you do. Um, I think yeah the 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 the, the biggest point that you're that you're making at least that I'm hearing you making is a lot of people think that the word average and typical are synonymous mm -hmm. that the and 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 you know and they're not they think if oh if we know our average cycle time then that means most of our items you know will will get done you know in in this amount of time and that's 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 not what what average means at all this is a debate that Pratik and I were having on Slack last night that. He disagrees with my language, and like I said, he's going to agree with me too. This is uh, Johanna. I don't know if you know this. I will say something, and Pratik will go, "No, no, 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 no," for like two years, and then all of a sudden, and then he'll change the words, and then he'll <laughs> say, "I agreed with him," and then he will agree. But yeah, but that's. But I, I think I think that's the crux of it. Is a lot of people a lot of people want to substitute average, uh, you know, with with typical, and. Um, I couldn't agree more that variation in your process, variation in your cycle time, not only is it not a bad thing, it is, uh, I would say it's required. It's, it's intrinsic. You, you can't eliminate variation. You just, you just can't. I mean, it's, it's, it's always going to be there. So, you know, it just, you just kind of embrace that for the understanding that it gives you, like you said, you know, the um, writing versus editing. You know, we, we can get some insight by measuring that cycle time for the writing task versus our, um, our editing task. That's going to give us a tremendous, tremendous amount of insight, um, regardless of the, the, the variability that's, in, that's involved. So, Yeah, a, a average is just not enough. It's just not enough information. You're just not, that single number is just not giving you enough information to make any decision. It's, yeah. it's, it's as good as a single data point. It's not really telling you much. There's so much hidden in your process that average does not reveal. Yep. So if anybody wants to go back and find 
um, our our episode on the flaw of averages. I think we've done at least one, but we probably mention it in every single one. Yeah, it's, it's fact, one of those take a drink. Yeah. someone said twelve averages. Just just in case, in case anyone's wondering why why we're not we're not actually drinking on this episode, it is a little bit earlier in the day than our normal recording time. Um, so. Um, Joanna still has writing to do. I still have work. I was going to say, not that any of us has to really drive home, but still, um, it is it's, it's, it is probably a little bit a bit early in the day to to be doing some drinking. Um, Pratik, anything to add? Not that. I mean, this 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 has been excellent, and and I I know this is the first, but this will definitely not be the last time that that Joanna is on on this on this podcast, and this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, we'll talk about when we're going to have you back, Johanna, um, in, you know, in the meantime, if you just want to keep sending us nasty comments on, on our YouTube channel or on Twitter, that, that would be, we, we love it. Um, for, should I just wrap it up? I don't know if anybody, Pratik, you've, you've already, I always give you the last word, but you've, 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 you've taken it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Yes. Truly, truly grateful that you, you took time out of your busy day, your busy schedule, Johanna, to, to, to come and join us. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Please come back and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about distributed agile. We'll talk about whiskey. We'll talk about whatever. We'll, we'll talk about all of those things. Um, so for Johanna there, for Nisha, the star of the show, Nisha in the back room. <laughs> get me out of here, please. Please get me out of here. You have to break the door down. <laughs> That's hilarious. For Nisha, for the Yogi Bear of Agile, my name is Daniel Vacanti. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you in the next episode.